Hi, and welcome to Ask Rev, a Christian podcast, where you guys can come online and ask us questions, be it biblically related, theologically related, church-related, Christian-related, or hey, you have a question that you really just want to ask a pastor because you think they might be the one to give you the good answer, please keep submitting your questions, and we are loving what you're doing. That's what we here at Ask Rev is for, is to be able to answer these questions for you guys. Kaylee, how can they submit those questions? You can do that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ask Rev Podcast. You can also go on Wayne's TikTok, Rev.Wayne, or you could send us an email at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. That's askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all, we are so thankful that you guys have jumped on the podcast this week. And uh, if you were here for our last episode, you realize that we did, uh, we walked into that episode with like three questions in mind and we ran 30 minutes on one question. So we're going to take on the next two questions in this episode. All right. So let's jump in. These ones might be a little toughy. Oh, let's go. All right. So how do you distance or reconcile modern Christian views and beliefs with the many bloody and violent historical events that have happened in the name of Christianity? There has been a lot of terrible things that have happened in the name of a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. So let me just... I think people weaponize God. They do, That's constantly. exactly what they do. And, you know, I think of different historical events that have happened many, 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 many years ago like thousands of years ago, or even recently, mm-hmm. I th- feel like people just use God as a weapon. I agree. Let's look at the Crusades. So generally, yeah. whenever we look at Christian history, when we look at the bloodiest time of uh, the Christian, uh, well, tirades, is that we always look at the Crusades, the battle mm-hmm. be Christ- between Christians and uh, the Muslims, the Islamic culture, uh, trying to take over the Holy Land is mm-hmm. where we come, because we are two brothers of the same. So uh, you have the, the sons of uh, Abraham, which were Ishmael, and Isaac. Mm-hmm. So Ishmael was supposed to be the first. He was the firstborn, but not firstborn of the promised parent. No, yeah. So there was always this battle. Oh, we're the firstborn of uh, Abraham, which has always been a massive argument that we get with it within the two cultures and beliefs. So they had this battle over the Holy Land. Which one of us owns the Holy Land? So there's this fight. Massive wars. Christians thought we were doing it for the glory of God. No, it was because the church at the time was in it for the money. Yep. But it's not easy to say, hey, we want to send you to your death. That way we become rich. So we're going to say, we're going to claim the Holy Land and claim all these relics. That way we can have all this thing for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So whenever I look at these kind of historical events, because there's been a lot of times when people say, hey, I'm going to do this for God too. And they go off and murder people. We have seen uh, historically the serial killers who say, I'm doing, this is an act of God and things like that, where they hold this place where they're like, Hey, I am the hand or the wrath of God put upon this point, or I'm doing this for the glory of God in the midst of this. Y'all, there's been a lot of people who have thought this wrongly, that they were doing what God's will was Mm -hmm. and are wrong. So whenever I justify, I don't justify these events with Christian culture because the reality is Christianity at its roots is a biblical Christianity is what the scripture says it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be uh, tyrants or destroyers. We're supposed to be uh, those who are righteous, loving, caring, and reaching other people with the gospel. We're supposed to be all these things that God has called us to be and to be greater than what we are. So whenever we look at this kind of historical craziness, I don't justify it or reconcile it with modern Christianity. I say when we look at scripture, when you start going back to scripture and saying, is this what God really wants? Because in the time of the Crusades, the uh, I had to say it this way, it was the Catholic Church was the predominant church because the, the word Catholic means universal. 
So when we look at the Catholic Christian Church at the time, they had a lot of corruption built within the concept because a lot of people are doing things for themselves other than God, rather than God. So whenever you have that mindset that this is about me, this is all for me, I want to be able, it's for me to be rich, it's for me to gain this, me to get all the glory, then it's not for God. So I don't have to reconcile actions of people who do things in the name of God or do things wearing a suit and tie. They're supposed to preach on the Sunday when they do things for themselves because what they've done is inherently said this is, I'm going to do the sinful act, they blame God for it. And this is where we see a lot of like cultish behavior. Yes, heavily. Because I think of like... Um Charles Manson, I think of Jonestown. Yeah, Jim Jones. Yeah, Jim Jones. These people who are supposed to be these great preachers, orators, you know, grew up in the uh, early spiritual movements that came up in the 1900s. Uh, the moments where we started seeing uh, these great children preachers come into the world and they got big-headed because they realized people are more about, I could speak a certain way and people will believe me. But Jim Jones did it all for his glory because it wasn't for God. He became God. Yeah, he. that's where it becomes a little cultish. Um, where, because you either have this, like, you want people to start worshiping you yes. as a god. Or you get this divine revelation mm-hmm. um, that God tells you to change this. Or, you know, to, yes. here's this new scripture. Or somebody, you know, God gave me these two tablets that only I can read in a certain yep. hat, but all of a sudden I And then there them. was a lizard. Uh, no, just kidding. There wasn't a lizard. Um, But there's a whole... Whole musical. That's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't talking about the musical. <laughs> I was talking about the documentary series <laughs> that was on Netflix. <laughs> There's an explosion, um, but it was false. We found it to be false. Yes. Um, anyway, um, but, I mean, that's literally just what happens. People just weaponize God. Yeah. And do what they want. Exactly. Ugh. Frustration. It is. It's extreme because this is where uh, pretty much pastors are doing things badly or Christians are doing things wrong, and we are all lumped into the same fold. So whenever I look at you and say, hey, I can't reconcile these two together. I'm not going to even try to reconcile the Crusades were a good thing or not. Because the reality is they're a terrible event in Christian history. They're a terrible event in world history. Mm-hmm. Where these massacres were not necessary. Where we see some of the most brutal fighting tactics. And some of these worst situations. When we see things like the Knights Templar. Which are erupted into it. And there's such a culture and heavily indoctrinated belief that these men were doing the right thing that even when they were told to denounce their god or die these men were not even given the choice because they never thought they could be uh or could be convinced to denounce their god we see a heavily indoctrinated view of christian views in these moments in these terrible moments of history that i can't justify so i'm not even going to try to i'm just going to tell you this you cannot lump all of us in the same boat yeah, because, I mean, think about the Crusades. Were any of us alive during the Crusades? No. no. Well, we use the argument for a lot of different terrible things that have happened in history, so yes. we have to be careful because the reality is the fact that, no, that is still our history. Yeah, it's our history, but you can't blame me for something that they did a thousand years ago. Yeah, especially since, you know, we, we're... Uh, let me... <laughs> I always love this. Uh, especially since, you know, technically, although our, our skins are, you know, we're, we're white just best way to say we're white uh a lot of our ancestors don't even come from these regions mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i hate to say it that way but you know uh, a lot of we have pagan backgrounds within our family lines we are christians by uh, faith because not by family 
That's the best way to say it. It's not because my family was Christian that I became a Christian. It's because I found faith in Christ that I became Christian. And so that's where we have to re- realize that there is no um, generational curse put on people who claim Christ. You cannot be responsible for the past Christians because you're not owning their family line or anything like that. You came to know Christ Jesus in the midst of this. I'm hoping this makes sense because uh, whenever I look at these bloody moments in history, I have to look at it and say, okay, this is because meism was a huge thing instead of theism, which is always a little fun phrase to throw out there. Is if it's about me and not about he, then it's not worth it. All right. It uh, still applies to today, though. Yeah, it does. Because even in today's churches, if you're more worshiping yourself than anything else, then it's worse. That's why we also see these people who are going in and doing these mass shootings, doing these killings, doing all these murder in the name of God, or who are starting cults and things like that, trying to make themselves big and wealthy or make themselves the most important person on the earth. And let's not just include murder or killings. Let's include hatred. Let's t- Let's include hatred into this, because to hate one another is like killing somebody. Let's also go back to the guidepost report. Let's say all these men who are using their power to get away with, Mm -hmm. you know, everything, with all these assaults and things like that that are being popping up that are very uh, common within the church. If we're going to sit here and say, hey, how can we reconcile this with the faith? Uh, The reality is these are not part of faith. These are actually what Christ calls us to be against and to be separated from, to be uh, set apart from. Because God has called us to be better. He's called us for transformation. Yes, he called us to be holy. Not affirmation of identity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Episode two with that, fra- that phrase. I love it. <laughs> but love it's it. not true. No, it's true. I mean, this is not what we're called to be. We're not called to be like, hey, it's okay to live whatever sinful life we want to be. Second Corinthians 5.17, and bringing the verse back out. We're called to be set apart. We're supposed to be, the old man is supposed to be dead, and we're supposed to be alive in Christ and made anew. So we're supposed to be pursuing after God with all of our heart, not pursuing after the things of the flesh that God has called us away from. So whenever we look at these kind of things where they're striving after gold, when they're striving after all this, when they're striving for power, fame, wealth, any of these things, all these parts in history where we see this, I'm not going to reconcile or justify this. I want to tell you simply this. That was terrible things. People have done very terrible things in the name of God. But I will say this, there's a lot of people who've done a lot of terrible things in names of other gods, mm-hmm. that those people will say the same thing. Those don't represent the rest of us, because they don't. All right? I'll be honest with you, I don't look at the t- the 9-11 terrorist attacks and say, hey, that's all of Islam. That's not, because Islam does preach peace and love and joy. You know, I actually have a Quran on my bookshelf back here, too, and I've read through it, because I wanted to know what they were about. So when we have these kind of structures, when we have these kind of belief systems, where we're talking about peace, joy, love, and hope, all these things that come in, just the advent alone for us Christians, and people are not edifying this in their lives, that's not because they're not doing it for Christ, they're doing it for themselves, and just blaming God for it. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that. Uh, come to the church, come to know us. Christians are not all evil. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Karens out there. Not all of us are Christian Karens. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of us are uh, the fundamental Baptists, where we just want to beat you over the head with the Bible constantly. These bad people that you see on Scripture are not following after God. They're following after themselves. Please come to look. Pick up the Bible and read it. Please do. Because you will literally see a call to be better, a call to be different, a call to be greater in Scripture. I've read it from cover to cover so many times. 
Let me tell you, all these things that we say, that we hear a lot of people say, oh, the Bible's just evil book. Look at all these things God did. If you take it in the context of Scripture and actually know what God was doing in these moments and see what God was doing for the people that are, that are in the Scripture, you, your whole view would be changed. So please take the challenge. Someone should like go through a Bible and highlight in one color all the evil things that God did and then highlight in a different color all the good things that God did. you got to be careful, though, because you got to read it all the way to the end of the book before you go highlighting. I mean, I know, but <laughs> just start at the beginning and go all the way to the end. Yeah. And ju- or, like, with little colored tabbies, you know, just... Well, this um, looks wrong, but this is the reason. This looks wrong. But, but this it's is also subjective to ourselves because yeah. for one thing for me is evil, but you might not think it's evil. Yeah. So we also have to remember that. Well, because, you know... The, the, you're right in that kind of mentality. Everything is subjective. It's from the views of the eyes of the beholder. Like we talked about last time uh, when we looked at uh, men and women in the grocery store or in the, the aisle going shopping. You know, for the gentleman who was walking down the aisle to you was creepy, was a threat, was trying to, you had to go ahead and make distance. For me, it would have been, okay, that person's shopping. All right, so two different thought processes because we're coming from two points of perspective. The reality of the fact is that none of us, there we go again, I said it again. Y'all, if you heard last episode, I did like a million times. Sorry. Uh, but whenever we look at the reality of it is I can't know from your perspective. I could be empathetic for your perspective. Mm-hmm. I can look at you and go, I can see why that is hard. I can understand why this is hard. But I've never been there. All right. I, ca- I can't say from experience this is difficult. But I can see why you were afraid in these moments because, hey, threat. All right. I can take the information and go, okay, I can see where that's coming from. But from my perspective, it's something whole different. So we have to realize that reading through scripture, all these things can be very subjective, but what ev- what is evil is very subjective to us. What is a bad thing to be very subjective to us? But remember, the scripture is true and the scripture is right. Read through it wholly, take it in the context of scripture. Stop pulling things out of it and saying, oh, this is evil whenever you take it out of the context of the story. My favorite story to go through is Job. Why was God letting the devil pick on Job constantly? Then why did he yell at him afterwards? If you read it in the whole context of the story, you realize the devil was active. The devil was tormenting Job. And Job was being faithful in the midst of it. And God said, you know what? You're right. I have been protecting him. Watch. I bet you his faithfulness will never waver. He knew for a fact that his faithfulness will never waver. And at the end of it all, when Job started questioning God, God has stopped him. Good Job, wait a second. You don't know all of my ways. You don't know all my truth. Your mind is not my mind. Your ways are not my ways. So remember this kind of concept that I might do things that you don't understand. But it is all for the glory of God. There's a lot of things that happen in our lives that are very terrible things that happen to us. And we look at God and go, God, why would you let this happen to me? And God looks at us and go, well, a couple things. One is the wages. It is the sin that came into the earth that brought death with it. So death is not of God. Death is a result of sin. Two, God looks at us and simply says this, you don't understand what I'm doing here, but all things are to the glory of God. Trust me, I will be glorified in the midst of this. All right. And that might sound very selfish to God for one person's perspective, but it's not. God said, look at what I'm doing here, because in the midst of this, you're going to turn around and praise me. Well, think about that story that you have shared before when talking about CEF, which is Child Evangelism Fellowship. Yes. And there was a little girl who was Muslim. Her family was all Muslim. And she started attending Good News Club. Yes. And then got saved. Praise God. And then she was killed. 
Okay, let me let me add some perspective <laughs> to that because that sounded terrible. Like, oh no, she got murdered. No, no uh, but I mean, at the funeral, the parents were yeah, like, "Let's tell them the story, babe." That's, <laughs> I don't think that's a good place to leave it. Okay, so the story is this little girl uh, started coming to the Good News Club. Her parents were immigrated from the Middle East, came to America, and uh, found out there was an after-school Bible club in the school. They didn't know it was a Bible club. They didn't know it was a Christian club. They just knew it was an after-school club that provided uh, extra care for their kids one day a week in their school system, which I love Good News Club, Child Evangelism Fellowship, huge proponent of it, used to work for them. I'm not here to sell them to you. I'm just going to tell you that's one of the best children's ministries I've ever been a part of. Uh, As a teacher, it's good stuff. Yeah, guys, check into it. I love it. This little girl came in. We're going to call her Mary for right now. Was in the, I was in club and she started coming and started coming regularly. She fell in love with it. And while she was in club, she came and she was convinced of the gospel. And she came to accepting knowledge of Jesus Christ. And at the end of it, after the counselor led her to the Lord and showed her what it meant and she prayed for salvation, Mary started bawling. She's like, I can't go home because her parents are very devout is um, Muslims. They're Islam. Islamic. So whenever they come from this faith background, whenever somebody would uh, convert to Christianity, it was very common in the time for them to be dis- that child to be disowned, beaten, or thrown out. You know, there's this kind of concept. You leave the faith. If you don't fall after your father, then you're worthless. It was that kind of thrown away mentality. Well, uh, the pastor stopped and looked down and they brought all the people around. They started praying over Mary. They looked at her and was like, hey, Mary, I hate to do this, but you have to tell your dad what's happened. But don't worry, if he throws you out, we'll take care of you. You have a place to go. You're not going to be left alone. We, we will not let you just stay on the side of the road. We will take care of you. But you have to tell your dad. And so in the spirit, she walked over to her dad and looked at her and was like, Dad, I have to tell you something. And her dad, not really kind of turning to her at all, looked at her and goes, okay, what is it? And she's like, well, Dad, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior today at Good News Club. And her dad turned to her and kind of in this moment of fear, and he saw looked at her and was like, can you tell me more of what that means? And so she got to share the gospel. After just accepting Jesus Christ as her Savior, got to share the gospel with her dad. Well, her dad and her family continued to worship Islam, but Mary kept getting to go to church, or getting to go to a club. And her parents started making a way, okay, well, here, now we're actually going to get you to church, too. Since you love these people so much, since this is the faith you're following after, her dad would drop her off at the church, go worship at the mosque, come pick her up, and come home. It was this whole wonderful dynamic they had going on well one day mary walked home from school and mary got down the road and a car came around the corner a little bit too quickly in head-on collision with mary mary was killed on the spot it was very quick well it was devastated the church found out about it they were all crying and the family obviously was absolutely devastated the dad came up to the pastor and asked him specifically will you do the funeral for my daughter because she loved y'all so much. You were her family and her church. Will you do this for her? The pastor, and I can tell you from perspective, whenever you walk into a sermon, when you ever walk into a funeral at this moment, this is one of the diff- most difficult places to ever reach people because that's in their worst place. They're in the morning. They're in the darkest parts of their lives at this time. And you walked up there, and he gave the gospel with all of her family who are Muslims sitting in the front couple rows. And their family came to know Christ at her funeral. It was an amazing transformation that we see in the midst of this. You know, in this worst moment, God was glorified in the midst of it. A lot of times we can stop looking and go, God, why'd you let the car turn around and hit her? Well, that wasn't God's result. That wasn't, well, that wasn't God's fault. We can't blame God for that. Death is a result of man. 
honestly, that person who was driving was the one at fault. So you see all these different people who could be a fault of it, but not God in the midst of this. But God was glorified in the midst of it as her family got to come to know Christ and has now the promise that they're going to be with her one day in heaven. That's amazing. So you're right on the money when we look at, hey. In the the absolute most tragic thing in those people's lives, Mm -hmm. to lose a child, I can't even imagine. No. But to God be the glory that they found him. Yeah, in the midst of that. in In the midst of all their sorrow that they found Christ and Christ's love for them. Yeah. And I pray that they shared the gospel with more people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they could reach people that I could never reach. Yeah. Because of their backgrounds. Because of the culture that they come from. All these wonderful things. We start seeing missionaries growing out of situations like this. And it's awesome to see what God does in those lives. That's hard. But God is glorified in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and go to the qu- uh, our second question. Okay. All right. So, how can we be certain that modern Christianity is the actual correct interpretation and implementation of the Word of God? There's more. When this interpretation changes from generation to generation, with generations of the past using it to commit and justify multiple genocides through history. Why are we on a murder kick today? I don't know. I mean... Ah, wait, these are hard. Um, here, Here's the reality. We go back to this as well, like, like the, the Christianity of the past uh, being results of mo- many gen- genocides in history. We even look at scripture where God uh, sends uh, people into these battles to be able to take over the promised land that is God's to deal with and for God to give and to take away. Um, how can we justify as modern Christianity as it changes with generation to generation? Let me tell you this. Uh, Christianity has not changed with generation to generation. It has grown from generation to generation. Uh, the only things we really see is when people come in there and they try to twist scripture and then you start getting these uh, splinters and branches off, these coals that come out of it, all these other things that pop out because people have tried to change it over the years. It have become nothing close to what the actual Christianity is. How can we tell that this uh, modern Christianity is what it's supposed to be? Uh, open your Bible and mm-hmm. see if it matches. So that's kind of a very harsh way to say this. But honestly, there you have the blueprint of what Christianity is supposed to be in a text. It's the best-selling book known to man. Pick it up, read it, and make sure what we're doing is matching what it's supposed to say. I do believe that there, that us as a church, we're doing what we're supposed to be, and we're also supposed to be better than this at times. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that we do as a generation that could be a lot better than what we are doing now. But the concept of it changing from generation to generation, the only thing that changes is the mode that we get the information out. We're now in the information generation. We're the post-church, the post-Christian generation. So we call it a lot because our, our generations have gone away from God a lot more. But we're now in the internet generation. We are now the social media generation where we have another method of getting the gospel out through online methods, through social media methods, which is awesome. Before us, we were the TV generation. Before us, uh, before them was the radio generation. Where these marks of how did we get the word out to people was through these different modes and methods within Christianity. But to say that, you know, because we have everything at our fingertips, uh, make sure that you are weary of what you read or see. Yes. Because there are a lot of false teachers out there. For example, I saw a TikTok. Oh, what was no. it? A few days ago. And. It was a, a verse taken out of context. And I was like, does that really say that? And so what did I do? I looked it up on my Bible app. Mm-hmm. I closed my TikTok <laughs> and I opened it up. And I read 
the verse. And I went, huh. And then I read the verses around it. And I went, huh, that's not what they're saying. And so then I tried to call that person out mm-hmm. on their heresy. And I couldn't because they would not let me duet their video. They would not let me stitch their video. And they would not let me message them. Or comment. Or comment. So don't watch that video. I <laughs> go with that, like that kind of method. Yeah, finding something. <laughs> hey, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if this is the right way or not. How can we say if our generation is doing the right thing? Read the scripture and find out. Make sure we're lining up with it because you're right. Take it in the context of where it's supposed to be at. Y'all, I've, I've posted a TikTok t- uh, recently that was really kind of fighting back this concept of, hey, we keep trying to make characteristics of God of how we are defined by God's love. No, God is love, yes, but he's just, righteous, holy, and all these other things as well. So I looked at it and I was like, how about we actually look at what God says about us? And I did four truths that God says about us. And whenever we look at this kind of concept, what did I do? Everybody else is out here just, hey, this is what God is, this is what God is, this is what God is. I put Bible references in my video because i want you guys to go to it i want you to read the passage i want you to read around the passage i want you to dive into it as well so when you have these kind of people out here like how do we justify this how do we look on the internet we need to stop one believing everything we see on the internet like our parents used to tell us but now they fall for all the scams Mm -hmm. and schemes all the princes from africa who wanted to give them millions of dollars okay um we need to fight back against this kind of concept of, hey, all information is good information. We need to do proper research, mm-hmm. which we're taught how to do in high school and middle school and elementary school. They're not school. taught to do that anymore. They need to be because, honestly, some of these sources are not viable. Google is not a source. No, it's not. You know, I have textbooks after textbooks on the bi- on the shelf behind us as we are recording this right now. And I constantly look at it and go realize that two of these sources disagree with each other. So I have to look at their sources and go, okay, well, where do you get all this information? When one person doesn't give me a source, I don't trust them. So always judge with the source. Go back to the scripture and say, okay, are they following suit? But going back to this concept of how do we know that they changed generation to generation and the previous generations of Christianity has caused mass genocides. One, I, as we said in the last question, I'm not going to justify these mass onslaughts that are done in the name of God when they're not actually meant to be in the name of God. These things are just meant to be wealthy or to take over land and things like or take over the rich or to make themselves more famous. I don't count that towards God. That's not God's fault. That's man's fault. Mm-hmm. But if you want to look at the church and say, hey, how do we know that we're doing it right? Read the scripture because the scripture has been, <laughs> we, we've discussed this. Quite a few times. The scripture has been true. It is about, I think it was a 90, I want to say 94% accuracy. The only difference between uh, us and the original text is the way that we put chapters and verses in scripture and also the fact that we added punctuation because the Hebrew and Greek don't use punctuation like we do. So check your sources, check where you're going on, read the Bible, which should be the source, and make sure that we're matching it. And realize this, there is such thing as a proper way to read your scripture called hermeneutics. What does the verse say? What does the verse before and after say? What does the verse in that ch- in the context of that chapter say? In the context of the book that you're reading say? In the context of the whole scripture? That's how we judge the verses. What is it in the context of the whole thing? If you can't answer that question, don't twist it for your own values. Don't put yourself in the scripture because the scripture has nothing to do with you. That is the word of God and that's God's alone. So please, please, please judge us by how we're trying to be as close to scripture as possible. And if you have any issues with that, check in the uh, the faith message. So everybody has like statements of faith on their church website. 
go into the statement of faith, look at the verses that they're using to justify their statement of faith. So for us uh, here at our church, we uh, believe in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 edition. It's just how they've gone through and say, hey, these are the pinnacle parts of our faith, and this is how we see them brought out through scripture and if you actually go on the southern baptist website and look up the math baptist faith of message 2000 they'll give you about i think 400 references that's always a joke but it's a, a lot it's a lot of references to scripture on how they justified those beliefs and faith and messages so please go read the scripture realize that we're trying to point you to where we're finding the evidence of it and that's how we believe and we're trying to be as close to scripture as possible so that's how I can say, hey, we believe what we're believing is closest to Christianity. It's because, one, it hasn't changed. Our faith hasn't changed. The word has not changed. The word is eternal. We're just doing our best we can, and now we just have new methods to do things. Like the fact that we're able to write, do a podcast and be able to tell you guys about these things. That is a great place to also ask your questions. There is a great place to ask questions. That is Ask Rev at Christian Podcast. So we guys can submit your questions <laughs> Plug ourselves on our own podcast. There you go. Uh, it seems like it's... Um, redundant. <laughs> it's the, redu- the, the redundant <laughs> department of redundancy. Yeah. Um, but guys, as you guys are getting ready, as we're having to wrap up here, I do want to say this. Guys, keep submitting your questions. If you have any questions about the things that we said in this podcast or any of the podcasts, please submit them back to us. We'd love to be able to jump on and answer them for you. If you have any other questions that we said in the beginning, please submit them to us. We'd love to be able to jump on and answer them. Kaylee, how could they do that? You can do that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AskRevPodcast. You can also go to Wayne's TikTok, Rev.Wayne, or you could email us at AskRevPodcast at gmail.com. That's AskRevPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for jumping on the podcast for this week until next time we love y'all so much bye